Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the blessed month of Kiach, and we hear this story of the Annunciation of uh, the birth of St. John the Baptist. I want to quickly go through how this Advent season looks. This is a simple chart that I put together, and this is the first Sunday of the blessed month of Kiach. So, like I said, this week we talk, we're going to be talking about the Annunciation of the birth of St. John the Baptist. The next week we're going to be talking about the Annunciation of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The third Sunday, it'll be the visit of St. Mary to St. Elizabeth. The fourth Sunday, which is, is going to be the birth of St. John the Baptist. And then in the Baramun, which is kind of like the preparation for the feast, we talk about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then on the Feast of the Nativity, we have the visit of the wise men to our Lord. So this is the, the main readings that we have for this Advent season. Okay, so by God's grace, we'll um, go through these readings throughout this time period. So... Today, we're going to focus on the birth of St. John the Baptist, this Annunciation that happened. If we read in the Gospel of St. Luke, and if you notice, if I go back to this chart real quick, the whole first chapter of St. Luke is broken up in these four weeks. So it's, uh, it's 80 verses, the first chapter of St. Luke, and we split it up within the four weeks of Kiach. And we see that in verse 5 to 7 of chapter 1, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And then in verse 6, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced as years. A question I want to pose. If they are righteous and blameless before God, why didn't God bless them with a child? It would make sense that if you're doing everything correctly in the eyes of God, that God is going to bless you with good things and bless you with a child. But we see, and St. Luke in his gospel makes it very clear that they were both righteous before God and walking in all of the ordinances of the Lord, but they had no child. So let's talk about this. And I think this quote from St. Basil the Great will help us answer this question. St. Basil says, God does rescue the holy from affliction. So God does rescue the, the holy people, the righteous people from affliction, but he does so not by rendering them untested. So he has to test the righteous people, but by blessing them with endurance. So the people who are righteous, he blesses them with endurance. For if affliction brings about endurance, then endurance brings about an approved character. Whoever rejects affliction deprives himself of approval. Just as none is crowned who has no rival, so none can be pronounced worthy except through tribulations. So from here we see three points from what St. Basil is saying. Number one is God tests the righteous, but also blesses with endurance. For Zacharias and Elizabeth, it was an extremely difficult test 
to be all of those years without child. It's one of the, the greatest joys after a husband and wife, after they get married, is the blessing of having children. And then to not have children is a very difficult thing for somebody to go through. And to, and to go through that for all those years, because it says they were both well advanced, advanced in years, it was, they dealt with that for um, a very long time. So it's a testing of the righteous, but God gives them patience and God gives them endurance and they pass the test. But how did they pass the test? Because despite not being blessed with a child, what did they do? They still walked in the, or in the ordinances of the law and they lived a righteous lifestyle. Like sometimes people could say, well, if God's not gonna bless me, I'm just gonna forget him. I'm doing everything right and my life is miserable and I'm, not, I'm, I'm just gonna go do my own thing, forget about God. But that's not what they did. They said, okay, God is testing us, but I'm still gonna continue in his way. So when a righteous person, the second point that St. Basil is saying, when a righteous person endures, despite the affliction, it produces an approved character. And like I said, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they continued in the righteous lifestyle despite the testing they received. The third point is that if we're not tested, how will we receive the crown? Our worthiness in receiving a crown comes only when we're tested. Like for example, you don't see anybody win an Olympic medal unless they do something to receive it. They have to you know, go through training and uh, testing and whatnot in order to be able to even compete. So when I compete, that's when I am able to receive a crown. And the next point that we'll talk about is how God remembers Zacharias and Elizabeth. In verse 13, it says, But the angel said to him, because Zacharias was fearful, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for what? Number one, your prayer is heard. So we could see that from here. We know that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were praying about this. A lot. They wanted to have a child. So the angel tells him, your, your prayer is heard. And number two, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. So not only is your prayer heard, but your request will be fulfilled. And then you shall call his name John. And then in verse 14, it says, and you will have joy and gladness. So the sorrow that you felt for all of those years will be turned into joy and gladness. Not only is he going to have a child? But in verse 15, it says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. But not only is God going to bless you with a child, but God is going to bless you with the greatest born among men, who is St. John the Baptist. So we look, we see this great blessing from the Archangel Gabriel, who is the herald of glad tidings, who is the, the announcer. But what was Zechariah's response? He doubted in his heart. He says in verse 18, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. So he doubts. So imagine praying for something for years after you get married, you pray for a child for years to the point where you begin to maybe lose a little bit of hope. God finally answers your prayer and then you don't believe. So, and why? Why didn't Zacharias believe? Let's look what St. John Chrysostom says. He said, Zechariah looked at his age, his gray hair, his body that had lost its strength. 
He looked at his wife's sterility and he refused to accept on faith what the angel revealed would come to pass. So, the angel is coming to him and he's telling him, your wife is going to have a child and he's going to be a great child. But Zechariah didn't believe. And why didn't he believe? It's because he looked at his problem and his solution in the eyes of men and not in the eyes of God. In First Corinthians, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So the question I want to pose to you is: how do we choose to walk? Do we look at our problems with the eyes of the body or with the eyes of the faith? I can look at my problem, and sometimes we have problems, and the, and the problem here, there's no solution, especially at that time. Like there was no fertility clinics, there was none of that existed. So when people couldn't have a child, they felt like they were out of favor of God. So the solution here from their perspective and also from our perspective till now can only come from God. So when God finally answers him, he doesn't believe. This is why he was muted. That's why like God hit the mute button on him. He's like, I want you to stay quiet a little. Why? It wasn't done as a punishment. It was done so that he can stop talking with the mind of logic and begin talking with the mind of faith. Sometimes we need to quiet ourselves and stop thinking with logical solutions to solve our problems. If we give our problems to God, he can have a way to resolve them that we don't know about. But we ha this is only comes through the eyes of faith. Sometimes when we come to God with our problems, we, want, we also come to Him with the solution itself. We often want God to answer our prayer our way, not His way. So when we come to God with some type of problem, whatever that problem may be, do we also come with the solution to that problem and say, God, this is my prayer, I want you to fulfill it, but fulfill it this way and at this time. Because God doesn't want that. His whole objective and everything that He does with us is to increase our faith. Why? Because faith is a sign of love. And if I have faith in somebody, it means that I love them. But if I don't have strong faith in God, it means that my relationship with love and loving Him maybe is not as strong as it should be. You know, think about that with husband and wife. A husband and a wife, they love each other. And because they love each other, they have faith and trust in one another. It's the same type of relationship with God. Because I love you, God, I'm going to believe in you. And when you say that you're going to fulfill your promise, I believe that you are going to fulfill your promise. And you know what, God? I'm going to leave the solution up to you. So when we come to God with our problems, it's best to lay the problem at His feet and say, God, not what I want in my way, but what you want in your way. I trust you. I trust your knowledge. I trust your vision. 
I trust your care for me. I trust your goodness. And because of that, God, I want you to solve this problem in your way. When I was thinking about this, I thought about Moses and the Israelites when they were crossing the sea. And then there's this verse that we have in the Midnight Praises in the first canticle. It says that a hidden earth was shown upon by the sun and the untrodden road was walked upon. Like, I think about Moses sometimes when he was standing with all of those people with him and they're about to cross, they're about to, you know, they have the sea in front of them and they have Pharaoh behind them and they're stuck. And God, who's been pushing Moses to bring out all of the Israelites from Egypt this whole time. And then Moses, he looks back and he says, what? Well, now I have the sea in front of me and I have Pharaoh behind me. God, did you bring me out here to kill me? (laughs) Did you bring out all of these people to kill us? But look what God does. He provides a hidden earth, a solution that we might not think about. He he provides, like Moses would have never thought that the sea would part for them and that that's how they would get away from Pharaoh and that that's how God would destroy their enemies. It's a hidden earth, a hidden way, a hidden solution. So what I want to tell you is that his way, although it might not be clear and apparent at the time that you want it to be clear and apparent, but he does hear our prayer. He's listening attentively and he's sensitive to what's going on in our lives. And his way is a hidden way because God is the God of, of the spirit. He's not the God of the logic. He does work with logic, but he's above logic. So what I want to say here, and this is why I titled this a hidden earth, because Moses, when he was looking at the sea, he couldn't see the way that he was able to cross. It was hidden to him. But God revealed to him the way that he can cross. So with us in our lives, whatever problems that we have going on, God may have a hidden way to resolve that problem. A way that we don't see. And we only are going to have that through the eyes of faith. When I was preparing for this, I listened to His Eminence's Bible study in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1. And His Eminence, Metropolitan Yusuf, he's, uh, he does a great job with uh, looking at people's names and how they kind of all correlate together. So he said something that I want to share with you all. If you look at the names of the three people here, it says Elizabeth, which means God's promise. Zacharias means God remembers. And John means God is gracious. So his eminence said, if you take these three, who are the three people in this story, look what his eminence said. God remembers his promise and in his graciousness, they are fulfilled for humanity. How beautiful is that? Is that God doesn't forget us. He made you a promise. I'm going to keep that promise and I'm not going to forget. I'm going to remember it. And I'm going to gift you in, with graciousness. And that's what St. John means. John means God is gracious. So 
And St. John was the greatest born among men. So imagine going all of those years without a child. And then you, you give birth to the greatest among men. It's because of their faithfulness. But at the times we don't have faith, let us remember that there's a hidden way, a hidden earth, something that we maybe we don't see, but God in His own way can resolve for us. So if we summarize what we said, number one, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they lived righteously despite not having a child. They didn't forget God. Number two, God tests the righteous and blesses with endurance in order to develop character, right? Because unless we're tested, there's no way we're not going to have a crown. When our prayer is fulfilled, do we doubt His way and become insistent on our way? Like somebody who suffered for all of those years, and then finally God answers your prayer. Am I not happy because it wasn't fulfilled in the way that I wanted? Or should we be happy that God fulfilled it in His way? His way is hidden and may not always make sense. Like Zacharias, he looked at his old age and he looked at his wife's old age. He's like, well, how am I going to give birth? How's my wife going to give birth, I mean? Right? But God, with God, all things are possible. He then blesses us sometimes with muteness. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be quiet sometimes. <laughs> it really is. It's a blessing just to stay quiet and listen. So Zacharias was blessed with this muteness for this time period so that he can develop the eyes of faith. And God's promises to us are always remembered and fulfilled in His graciousness. And glory be to our God forever and unto. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.